Ava Hartling. Welcome back to the Brandis Female Podcast. In today's special episode, I'm honored to have two remarkable guests whose fearless pursuit of artistic expression and feminist activism has captured the world's attention. They're members of the renowned Russian art collective, protest group, and punk band Pussy Riot. Masha Alyokina and Diana Burkott have not only ignited conversations, but they've taken a stand for freedom, justice, and creative expression, even in the face of adversity. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandiesfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help you. Are you ready to be inspired and connected? I'm really excited to share that we have officially launched the Brandis Female Conversation Series. Come and join us for a monthly conference that's changing the game in Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto. Engage with fellow women thought leaders, innovators, and visionaries. Get ready for insightful discussions and powerful networking opportunities presented by TD Women in Enterprise. Don't miss out on this opportunity to elevate your career and your network. Visit our website, go to the events section, and secure your spot today. I can't wait to meet you in person. Masha Alyokina has already paid a big price for her political activism. She spent nearly two years behind bars in Russia and was later put under house arrest for 18 months. She secretly made her way out of the country in the spring of 2022 when she heard her house arrest was going to be transformed into another prison sentence. Diana Burkut, a collaborator to Pussy Riot, has also been at the forefront of their groundbreaking performances, challenging the status quo and raising their voices, often using music, against oppressive regimes. Pussy Riot's performances have not only challenged the norms, but have been powerful catalysts for change, often at a high personal cost. In our conversation today, Masha and Diana shared their experiences, their unwavering commitment to their art and feminist activism, and their vision for a world where creativity and justice prevail. Masha and Diana are currently in Montreal for the exhibit Velvet Terrorism, Pussy Riot's Russia, which just opened at the Musée d'Art Contemporain. I hope you get to visit. For now, tune in as we dive into a captivating conversation with two symbols of courage, resilience, and the transformative power of feminist art. Masha and Diana, it's such a pleasure speaking to both of you today. Thank you for making time to come on the podcast. Thank you. Um, we're here in Montreal because Pussy Riot is having an exhibit at the Museum of Contemporary Art. Uh, fantastic installation. I invite all of our listeners to take a look. Uh, you're also doing a few more things while you're in town, and we'll get to talk about that. But I usually start these conversations by going back in time. And I want to ask both of you, growing up as young girls, what kind of future did you imagine for yourselves? And, and what did you think you would be doing from a professional standpoint later in life? <laughs> That's a cool question. Um, so we both are, let's say, kids of Perestroika. The most uh, beautiful time, I think, of the very terrifying and bloody previous century for Russia. I think this is the most, the, the only bright spot, actually, in our history. And I was born in 1988. Mm -hmm. So on my 
foreign international passport, I had as a place of birth, I had USSR, the mm. country which mm. in three years after my year of birth stopped to exist, collapsed. And when I was a kid, I never thought about the past. I never thought uh, about the history of my country. And I started to explore what was going on only when I became a teenager. And I was very upset about patriotic lessons, which was provided even mm. even in Russia, even like on early years of, of Putin, they forced kids to write about greatness of Russia, but that was not so tough as now because now it's pure fascism. So I was always dreaming that... Actually, I had two dreams. Uh, so dream number one uh, was uh, to write a book. Yeah. And dream number two was to change the world. <laughs> you did it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, I did not uh, go to the university after I finished school. I went by hitchhiking to the south of Russia and oh, I was wow. living in the forest for the whole summer. And actually, two years later, when the state decides that they want to cut this forest for building a luxury villa for one of the Putin's oligarchs, I started to protest and that's how I became an activist. Mm -hmm. And I met Nadia and Peter uh, because they came to one of my super small demonstrations in the center of Moscow. And then I, I decided to go to, to their garage where they were, they were preparing actions uh, for the Voina group, which was before Pussy Riot. And then Voina split and Pussy Riot was created by... Uh, Katya, Nadia, and several musicians. And after three actions in, in the roof uh, of uh, public transport and some unpredictable places, I decided to join. And and yeah, my first action was in the Red Square. Mm. Yeah, the same. I have this uh, situation that uh, my first action was in the Red Square too. I think I never was interested in uh, political, like, activist before. Uh, I was, like, a tomboy and listened a lot of, like, punk rock, uh, hardcore, DIY, DT <laughs> music. And this is how I become, let's say, like, feminism and, mm. yeah, human, animal rights, uh, equal stuff and all of this. Mm. Yeah, dreams. Actually, I think I've always dreamed about once things. It's always was about the music. Mm -hmm. I really early understand that I love music mm -hmm. and want to do only this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it looks like everything happens too. Everything good for me. That's amazing to hear. Who were role models for you? And, you know, growing up in Russia, where, and, and Masha, you've talked often in the press about how women have been repressed in, in Russia and, you know, Putin and, and the, the powers at play want women in the kitchen, raising children and not voicing an opinion too much and not, you know, taking too much space, not being independent. Um, and amidst, you know, that culture growing up in that society, who was an inspiration for you? Um. I think I should start uh, from Soviet Union because mm. uh, actually what is 
Putin is trying to do, he's trying to rebuild the dead body of Soviet Union with rockets, tanks, and army forces yeah. killing people. So in Soviet Union, which was promoted as an equal state, there was no equality. Mm -hmm. So for a century, and it's a long time, for a century, women did not have uh, even a first lady as a role model mm -hmm. because wives of all Soviet Union dictators were completely repressed and mm -hmm. put it to corner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, for example, Josef Stalin, who is a tyrant, a murderer, a terrorist, and a role model for Vladimir Putin. I can tell you about his second wife. His first wife just died very early. And his second wife, on the age of 32, after he was cheating her um, in the table on the anniversary of revolution, stood up, said that this is enough, and went to her room, took the German gun, and shoot herself. Oh, wow. So this is an example of women's place in Soviet Union. Mm. Vladimir Putin himself is even more terrible because he is a hypocrite. He is not just a pure uh, tyrant. He is a hypocrite because he's providing so-called traditional values to Russians. Uh, every minute, TV is repeating that family secret, etc. And he himself was beating his wife, holding her in the house. Uh, all the media who tried to make an interview or any investigation about her life were crushed. Mm. And then he had a divorce and he started to live with his lover. Plus he had a second lover and he had children. Mm both from the first wife mm -hmm. and from lover, and okay. never he named his children, his own children, by their names. Wow. Like Alexei Navalny mm, and yeah. his own daughters. So mm. I didn't know all of that when I was a teenager, but uh, by some chance I found the name of Anna Politkovskaya, amazing mm -hmm. journalist uh, who was killed by Putin's regime. Uh, much earlier than Pussy Riot started. Mm. And she was covering the topic of Chechnya region, mm -hmm. the region who declared independence and then repressed by Yeltsin and then by Putin. And now it's one of the most terrifying regions of Russia. For example, gay people are constantly tortured and killed there. Right. So. There are no human rights yeah. there. There are just terrible situation. And the head of Chechnya region, Ramzan Kadyrov, he's a terrorist. Mm. And Anna was writing about Chechnya. Anna was covering both wars, Chechen-Russian wars. And she was killed because of her work. Mm. And shot it near the door of, of her apartment. So I think I went to to study literature and journalism because I I wanted to write about important things. Um, and I had 
several very rare examples which I which I found myself. Uh, internet uh, that time was super different from mm-hmm. what we have now. Yeah. I didn't have iPhone or, or something like this. Yeah. Uh, so I just found pieces of of different things uh, and different quotes by different people, mm. and that was like this. Um, there was no feminist art mm-hmm. in our country, so there were no role models. So when when I when I found like Guerrilla Girls, yeah, I was super impressed mm-hmm. and and I was super happy that that Frida came to the to the to exhibition the and, yeah. and she gave uh, us a catalog. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that just made me happy. So it's more recent that you have female role models. There were very few, you know, that you could draw inspiration from in Russia and the, and the space that women, I mean, the lack of space or the, the absence of space for women is just, you know, mind boggling for Russia and the USSR. Diana, who were sources of inspiration or role models for you? And maybe, maybe they were among men too. I mean, if there, there was a lack of, uh, of women having a lot of visibility, it sounds like, but... Yeah, I think my example very obvious. I really like Bikini Kill, mm-hmm. Le Tigre, uh, and they love uh, like System of a Down, Nine Inch Nails, and all the bands who like in the 90s mm-hmm. uh, made the really political social music. It was my exp- uh, what really gave me a power. And uh, for example, we had in the history like this name, like Fanny Kaplan. It's mm-hmm. so a really strong, uh, let's say, activist, maybe. Yeah. And uh, she tried to kill Lenin twice. Uh, in the first time, um, police catch her and came um, in a prison. Then they're like almost blind there. But when she was free, she tried to do this one more time. And then, yeah, police just c- killed her. And uh, for me, like a rule model, it's a really powerful people and the mm. uh, female yes for sure mm. but now uh, I, i'm not sure i cannot say it's like for sure but i think like maybe feminism already done everything what it can be uh it's uh, already third waves of feminism mm-hmm. yeah and uh, it looks like it's not grow up anymore yeah and now i really think a lot about the matriarchat mm-hmm. Ma- matriarchy yeah matriarchy yeah, I think it can be like our, our future. Mm. I think that feminism is not dead and it's super needed, especially now mm-hmm. during ultra rights growing around the world. Yeah. And we all seen the example of Donald Trump, how fast and just like this, he mm-hmm. became a president and what he's done during one presidential term with America. Yeah. It's so terrifying. And that was really important to me to see artists who stood up against. Mm -hmm. And that's also a good example, but quite tragic because now the country is divided Mm -hmm. and you can feel it like immediately. We we received Woody Guthrie Award this May. So that was first time for me when I came to United States after five years. Mm -hmm. I haven't been there. And even in Tulsa, in one event, I felt it. So people frustrated. Yeah. They didn't expect 
they didn't expect what they received. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's very important for now to understand who is who mm -hmm. and to continue to fight. Uh, time is passing, so a lot of things being done. This is for sure. Mm -hmm. But we have brains. We have our hands and heads, so we can create something else. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I want to come back to that because th this conversation around, you know, where is feminism going next and this, you know, post third wave of, of, of feminism, um, Masha, you've described uh, Pussy Riot as a feminist protest art collective movement fighting for women's rights and protesting Putin's re regime. Um, Pussy Riot was created in 2011, um, and you have a membership of over 11 million women worldwide. It might still be growing. I don't know if my figure is up to date. Um, when did you first come up with the idea for Pussy Riot, and did you think you would get this type of traction? Did you think you would ever reach over 11 million women around the world? I was not, uh, uh, I didn't create Pussy Riot, mm -hmm. but uh, I can tell you that, and I also already mentioned that was a Voina group, protest yeah. uh, yes. art collective. Yeah. And uh, that was doing, this collective was doing street actions. Mm -hmm. So there were several people, but one of them was very, um, I would, I'm trying to find the words. I think he was very rude, macho leader. Okay. So when, when, uh, Voina group split yeah. and, uh, one part went to St. Petersburg, yeah. the cultural capital of Russia and the rest stayed in Moscow, uh, Moscow part wanted to continue to do actions. But that was not possible because of the some interactions from from Saint Petersburg part. So they created a new group, Pussy Riot, and gotcha. uh, that was led by women. Okay, and this is important because uh, that was completely different from from Voina. Gotcha. And um, my friend uh, Nastya, she's uh, a bass player in the book. Uh, she was there from the very beginning mm -hmm. and she wrote all the music and actually it's her voice mostly in the songs. Uh, she's a professional musician as well as Diana. So Katya and Nadia are not professional musicians. Mm -hmm. Nadia is from philosophical faculty and Katya is an engineer. So yeah, <laughs> uh, they needed help of musicians. So... <laughs> Uh, she did that and rehearsals and recordings were happening on her apartment. Okay. And I was actually a guest at this apartment very often. Mm -hmm. And I've seen what they are doing and I decided to join. Okay. So basically I wasn't the person who was, who created the yeah. name. You and joined the, the I, movement. Yes. I, that was not a movement that time. That was a small anonymous group mm. from Moscow and there were people who knew each other for a long time, like documentary filmmakers, artists, musicians. Um, so people from completely different art fields, mm -hmm. but decided to unite because Vladimir Putin announced that he will be a president again. And people just understood that it will be point of no return. It will be super bad. So we should stand up and protest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, this uh, actually how it happens so when uh, girls understand that they want to 
more present uh, Pussy Riot like a musical band. Mm-hmm. But it's, yeah, it's a really art collective was in the beginning. And they try to like fund the people who can help with the music. And for me, for example, I, in the beginning, I just play in the drums actually and screaming. And only then uh, girls ask, uh, maybe I want to join like activist. And it's very, it was really cool because before, uh, yeah, playing in bands in the like punk rock, uh, it was really a lot about ideology. Mm-hmm. And then I just forgot uh, to say uh, that uh, this uh, person like Fanny Kaplan, I play in a band that uh, it was uh, only girls band, feminist band. And we have a name of the band like Fanny Kaplan to, to make more visual, uh, like uh, uh, women's names. Okay. Yeah, and then it starts to be something really, really big. Actually, it's very interesting. But in those time, I mean, uh, like Marsha told, this was almost no any feminism uh, activist, mm-hmm. and uh, it's the same. Uh, it was the same situation uh, with the music. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of uh, girls in the music at all, in like okay. underground movement. Mm-hmm. So it's became a movement, I think, since uh, three of us been imprisoned and yeah. uh, actually we've been unmasked mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because Pussy Riot uh, was made as anonymous collective. Yeah, you were always masked. We never saw your face. We and actually your we, we ended up like in the front pages without masks, uh, with our faces. But this is bad news. But good news is that thousands of people around the world started to put masks on. Mm-hmm. And that's how it became a movement. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, that was not a movement. Right. We've been a part of Russian protest movement, right. I would say. Okay. <laughs> and how do you explain that you were able, I mean, you've answered part of the, of the question when you ladies went to jail and your, you know, your names and faces were revealed and the world started paying attention, uh, which... Uh, which is ironic because it actually helped amplify your message, you know, beyond beyond Russia and, and to the the rest of the world. But w- what do you think resonates with so many women, and not just women, individuals around the world about your message? Uh, even people who you know don't live in Russia or are not connected to Russia. I think that was uh, definitely important. Um, think to to be heard we di- we didn't expect any criminal case right we didn't expect that we will go to any prison especially for several years but when we've been arrested before the first court there was one secret service police guy who came just took me to the room and said that if you will not write the paper that you are guilty and you're asking a forgiveness for Russian Orthodox Church, you will end up in jail for like from two to seven years before any court. That just shows the independency of court in Russia. And I said, no, Mm. Uh, definitely I will not like ask any forgiveness. Like, fuck you. You have have you seen you? (laughs) Uh, And and yeah, it happened. And I would say that it will be it would be more than two years if international attention would not happen. Right. So you guys saved our asses. <laughs> it's kind of protection because uh, many uh, lawyers and uh, uh, human rights people really tried to protect girls mm-hmm. when they was in the prison. And it was a really big deal. Mm-hmm. And Diana has also interesting story because she also been in the church. So she's a part of punk prayer action. She was there. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, 
police arrested three of us. Yeah. So, and actually near the altar, there were five people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they didn't catch two of them. And you can probably only imagine what life the person lived when you can be potentially arrested yeah. for several years and right. you continue to live in the country. Right. So she was hiding in Ukrainian Crimea, which was the next two years later. Yeah. She was continuing to write songs to our support. One of them you've seen in the exhibition. Mm-hmm. They played it uh, on the day of the sentence. So it's also interesting, uh, interesting detective story. Um, and we will tell it one day. I think we just, I mean, we haven't seen Russian Gulag before. Mm. And for me personally, that was completely impossible just to shut up inside, inside. Because Mm. actually the whole system just designed on the way to force you to shut up Mm. and do not speak about what is going on there. Mm -hmm. And somehow during all these years, during these 10 years, Putin, he turned Russia into a huge prison. So this concept of making people silent through different methods, through censorship, through repressions, through murders, through uh, making oppositions fight with each other, it all worked somehow. So unfortunately... It's now looking like a huge gulag, but looking to these conditions for the first time, we realized that we we are going to continue to fight. So mm-hmm. you will see in the concert uh, some parts uh, about prison fight, which which I had in in my penal colony, and you've seen it also in the exhibition. Mm-hmm. And then when we been released uh, via VIP amnesty, mm-hmm. we went to Sochi to make an action yes. during during yeah. the, the Olympic Games. Olympic Games, but also we created Media Zona, the media outlet which covers police violence, prison violence, political court trials, very specific topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this became one of the most popular and quotated media in Russian internet mm. because the level of repression started to grow. So there were a lot of political court trials which Media Zona covered super properly. Actually, they were the best. I think it's it really, really important, and it was like a really good example how to work with uh, what's going on in Pinion Colony. Mm-hmm. Because, for example, we have no any law uh, which will protect. Uh, women like right. uh, domestic violence and we have this official uh statistic that's uh most of the women who are in the prison actually it's because they try to protect themselves when uh, husbands try to kill them and after the media zone uh it starts to be that's many people like journalists really keep uh, more attention what's going on in the mm-hmm. colony mm-hmm. and how all of this work because it's a really big part of the russia Mm-hmm. It's all connected. So when people start to say that uh, feminism is not connected to like big politics, it's super connected. Yeah. So all the crimes of Russian army, which you've seen, which we are all seeing, yeah, made by people, made by men who were like children before, 
who were growing up somewhere, mm-hmm. and this somewhere is designed on the way full of like domestic violence uh, with a cult of the strong hands mm-hmm. of like this macho leader man who can punish everyone if, even with like any physical mm-hmm. violence. So these people were grown up in the society which supports right. this type of actions, unfortunately. And feminists who were shouting about the law about domestic violence, against the domestic violence, uh, were basically just repressed. And now they are talking that feminism is an extremism mm-hmm. in the Russian state parliament, officially. Right. And that's that's all just, just terrifying and mm-hmm. can be just an example for other societies and other countries how things can, like what can happen if you do not care. Right. Yeah, for example, in Poland right now, it's illegal to make abortion. Yes. And I know that uh, many states in the United States, it's uh, the same. It's crazy, actually. It uh, looks like we go like in the middle age. Yeah, we're going back in time. Yeah. We never thought in our like 90s or something, we, mm-hmm. we never thought that we will read news that mm-hmm. United States banned abortion. Yeah. yeah. That was like, what? United States? And country of freedom. Yeah. <laughs> so called. This season of The Brandy's Female is made possible with the support of TD Women in Enterprise. And they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and they engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way, so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. And you talked about how, and I can remember, if the, I think I read that in, in the exhibit, you talk about how you hope that Russia serves as a reminder in the era of, you know, Trump being elected, that things can turn around, you know, any rights that women and other minority groups have gained can be taken away overnight. Exactly. If we're this not is careful. not something special with, with Russians. Yeah. Russians were living under dictatorship actually all, all their life, like mm-hmm. all the centuries. Mm-hmm. There was ages of monarchy, decades of Soviet Union di- dictatorship, then the small gap of so-called freedom with two wars, right. and then Putin's regime. Right. That's how Russians were living all the time. Mm. I mean, that would be really strange to, <laughs> to expect any huge uh, revolution taking the Kremlin immediately. Mm. There's just no experience and uh, no free media, nothing. Like, when we've seen First time when we've seen United States going completely this direction. Trump is the best friend of Vladimir Putin. They are hanging out together. Mm-hmm. Russian propaganda is covering uh, Donald Trump as the best United States president. The only, only United States president who was covered on the good way in Russian propaganda. You haven't seen all the racist jokes which they done about Obama. Mm-hmm. That was so terrible that I just don't want to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And from state TV. Mm. And uh, 
so that shows us how corrupt Trump is and how he is in bed with Putin's yeah. regime. Also, like Putin's regime sponsoring cultural movements around yeah. Europe mm -hmm. and they achieved some results uh, in Austria, for example, in Germany. Um, a lot of examples and definitely world will look differently if they will not be stopped mm -hmm. because it's not illusion. Yeah. It's real danger. Yeah. And you've talked about the power of women and the power of feminist movements. Um, you, and, you, and you've been part of one, both of you. Um, are women, are we doing enough? And what should women who are interested in being part of this movement and trying to make a dent, trying to make a change, trying to raise awareness for injustices that happen around the world. You know, what, what is missing? What else can we be doing? A lot. There is no equality. Mm -hmm. So until the moment that for like, like fight for equality, fight for the rights. I mean, I you've, see, you, you, you've seen, you've seen, you've seen, that's, it's uh, should be what uh, women should to do. Mm -hmm. Maybe women already did a lot of things actually. Mm -hmm. And this problem of the man's actually, and I not think that's all men's, but still, uh, but they women should not... to fight uh, uh, so many years. So like, uh, it's crazy. I mean, that's reality. You should find until you get the result. That's mm -hmm. how it works. But mm -hmm. it's really, really nice uh, if men will do something to actually. I agree. Uh, that's really great when men are sharing feminist issues. It's yes. super important. And for example, in Iceland, there was now a demonstration. Yes, the strike, people. which was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like yeah. they have 300,000 people mm -hmm. as a population yeah. and 100,000 were in the square. Yeah. So it's basically, it's basically all women. Yeah. And this is a really cool example. Yeah. It's amazing. And I mean, for me, that's, just an ideal situation for the whole world. Mm -hmm. And that's what we all want to see mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because issues of equal pay and also the number of women, for example, in the art field, in politics, it's not equal. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of things to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we can we can tell what uh, we have as a story, as a bad example yeah. uh, of what can happen with society but we believe that we are giving this example mm -hmm. for push people to fight more for mm -hmm. themselves in their territory mm -hmm. and it inspires other women you know to see iceland as a small country but women the whole world was paying attention to the strike right so these movements inspire more yeah, uh, when we see first, a group rising the yeah. first women uh president in the world was from iceland yeah i really mm -hmm. like this example mm -hmm. iceland beautiful unbelievable country for me mm -hmm. for sure and i think we should uh, add about this let's say match between power and the russian orthodox church because of mm -hmm. the uh, action which was in uh, 2012 uh, in the uh, cathedral mm -hmm. uh, it was like against this split power and uh, belief uh, and now we see like patriarch kirill he's still like a putin mm -hmm. in the power and uh, this is institution like a terrible and the patriarch kirill bless actually weapons uh, soldiers go and kill another people mm -hmm. and when somebody asked him why you did it uh actually you should be like forgot for love and everything he answered that uh, we are not pacific 
we always support like a kings uh, or whatever. And uh, yeah, it's... I can give you several examples of what Russian Orthodox Church has been doing during all these years since we started our protest. So first, Patriarch Kirill appeared as a main promo for Vladimir Putin in the beginning of the third term. Mm -hmm. So he actually blessed his endless presidency. Then they created several repressive laws, including ban of so-called gay propaganda without yeah. even a description what gay propaganda is, is banned. Super absurd. They wrote a special, they added to the criminal code a new article, so it became criminal to insult the feelings, so-called feelings of believers. You can end up in prison up to two years if wow. you insult the fucking feelings. The feelings of every believer, <laughs> uh, okay. Of the believers, yeah. Mm. Uh, that was 2013, quite a long time ago, 10 years ago. Then more and more talks about uh, banning of abortions, which they mm. start to do in Russia. Also, the, the ban of the law about domestic violence is 2019, and also that was surrounded by a lot of really brutal promo that it's family issues, you should not go inside your family. And then they decriminalized the, the, the domestic violence. So, for example, if I beat someone, if I'm a man and I beat someone on the street, it's mm -hmm. criminal. If right. I'm the husband of the woman, it's not criminal. Right. Yeah. And the fine will be the same amount of money as a wrong, a wrong parking. Mm. Wow. Yeah. And then now, uh, Patriarch Kirill is blessing rockets. He is blessing different types of weapons, including rockets, Satan. He is calling this war a sacred war. Mm. And so-called priests are giving the speeches, public speeches, that women should give more birth. Um, more children. More children, because one priest, for example, so-called priest, he said that you should give more birth. So if you have a lot of children, it's not so bad if some of them will die in the war. Wow. Mm. Officially. Yeah. So just and creating more men for this war, more men who serve as... Yes, like a meat. Yeah. And uh, it's all just more and more, going more and more terrible. Mm. And it's completely much terrible than in 2012. Right. But the direction where they want to go was quite clear. That's why I think we we decided to make an action. Mm -hmm. We definitely did not understood how terrible they could be like now, but they were already quite bad mm -hmm. that time. Mm -hmm. After this criminal case of Bussura, they created this new uh, law about the uh, gay propaganda, and it was really... Uh, Sad how they, uh, yeah, basically in, in the old promo materials, they were comparing like gay people to pedophiles and that was just state announcement mm -hmm. and they opened a Pandora box of hatred, which actually started to exist in our territory. People started to be killed because of the sexual orientation. Right. Mm. Constantly. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I have this government in a government. I, I mean, about the Chechnya, Lucia Stein, who are like a Pussy Riot member, and uh, Masha's girlfriend, she works in an organization who tried to help these people, like gay people from Chechnya. My girlfriend evacuates people from Chechnya region, uh, both uh, LGBTQ plus people and mm-hmm. women who are in danger because of the domestic violence. Right. They have a lot of really tough cases because murders are happening constantly. So if you you receive a luck to evacuate even one, it's already super good. And by the way, their organization, North Caucasus, they collaborated a lot with Canada. So your country received a lot of gay people from Chechnya and you are number one. (laughs) And this is... So That's good. They, yeah, they brought them in. Thank you so much for this. <laughs> well, I, Trudeau and and his and his team have have done some some good work on in some instances. That's great to hear. Um, I want to talk about the the power of information, and I mean, there is a you know wars now are waged as much on social media and through media as they are on actual territory and we're seeing what's happening in the Middle East we're we're seeing what's happening in Ukraine how have your actions shifted you know knowing that a uh, powers like Putin and and his allies use the propaganda machine use social media as you know a mass weapon with uh, not not just Russians, but I think around the world. And we saw their involvement uh, in, in manipulating media and social media during the U.S. elections when, when yeah. Trump was elected. And what does that change for you? And I think as, you know, anyone who is looking to kind of take part in a movement, a feminist movement, or just a movement uh, for, for more equality and more rights, what are things that we need to be mindful of when consuming media, when using social media, but how can we use social media or how do you use social media to your advantage? Uh, first uh, thing I want to say that our new music video yeah. is actually against Russian propaganda. Mm-hmm. And we think and we believe that Russian propagandists are the same war criminals as army generals and soldiers because they are poisoning people's minds for many years and they are providing hatred and they are responsible for the result which we all now have. Mm-hmm. And besides TV propaganda, they forced children in the schools to visit so-called patriotic lessons. And they forced teachers to write to the police reports against the parents uh, if children do not visit these lessons. They forced children to write so-called letters of support to Russian occupying soldiers and they punish children if they do not do that Mm. and they bull them and there was one girl who made anti-war drawing and they imprisoned her father and they took her out of the family and put her to the uh, children's house and that's not one example Mm. they built one uh, 10 years old boy who write not the proper letter with just words, soldier, go home, do not kill people. And this level of fascism, the most cynical one, is terrifying. Mm. Even for us, it's it's a terrifying. That's why we, we made this video. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that 
for many years, Russian propaganda was working in the West and mm -hmm. it's super important for them to have people, pro-Putin people on board in the West. Uh, Russia today is the most, I think, pure example, but not the only one. Right. The owner of private war company Wagner. Mm -hmm, yeah. You've heard about him? Of course, yes. There was a lot of media around uh, yeah. his situation in Russia with this, Putin. This situation, yeah. Uh, he uh, he owned, owned not only this private war company Wagner, mm -hmm. but also he created so-called Fabric of Trolls. It's actually mm -hmm. thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of accounts who are... Uh, glorifying Vladimir Putin mm. as like pretending being being just usual people, right? And I impersonating actual yes. users on social media. So we call them trolls, yeah, or bots. bots. It's it's working. Mm. I mean, he's dead, but yeah. the fabric is working, right? And it's super important for this regime to create a chaos. It's super important for them to force the West. Do not be united mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. to have as many ultra rights in the power as possible. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what can I say? We use social media. We definitely uh, post everything what we have there. And uh, it's very easy to understand when you have the bot situation right. in your accounts. Yeah. I mean, everyone have it. Like Navalny's team, yeah. uh, a lot of human rights organizations who yeah. are still working uh, with Russia have it. This just exists. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, a re it's a reality we have yes. to, you know, I have a personal example uh, how propaganda works. My daddy, actually, my dad uh, from uh, uh, Ukraine mm -hmm. and from Kherson. It's uh, a lot of what's going on in Kherson, I think, uh, like during more than one half of year. And he, he's all his family from there. I remember how, how I was a children, a ch uh, child okay. and a teenager. And I go there, see my grandmother and grandfather. It was a really nice people. Nobody never told me why you speak in, uh, in Russian language, for example. Mm. And now he are uh, talk like repeat love you. I, I really hear how he uh, talk. It's uh, with this same aggression and feelings. It's terrible, actually. Mm. And he told that the best way for us, like a pussy ride back in Russia and go, for example, and then bus uh, say, forgive us and uh, perform for them. And he really believed that I'm like, for example, Satanism and uh, Nazi. Mm -hmm. We try to speak right now a little bit, but it's still very difficult. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I know that he never was like this. He was really actually smart uh, mm -hmm. guy. He finished one of the best university in Moscow, like MGU. And how it's become, it's like he really every day watched TV and it can be yeah. step by step. And yeah. then he just believed in it. Wow. And I can add that uh, we use not only like our social media, but uh, still the stage. For example, mm -hmm. right day show, it's a really important, let's say, like a tool mm -hmm. uh, to speak about the 
uh, how to be activist uh, and a lot of uh, stuff was going on uh, in Russia. Mm. With, uh, yeah, I think Masha can talk about this. I think it's really terrible situation when you have your own family calling you a fascist. It's it's a tragedy, but Diana is not the only one uh, who received, unfortunately, this against her. Uh, a lot of Russian families split because mm. si- since the full-scale invasion, because a lot of people been bra- brainwashed by Russian propaganda and right. started to be super aggressive. Mm-hmm. And people are, it's like in Soviet Union, people are writing mm. reports to the police against their own members of the family, calling for imprisoned members of the family, like own children, because they are in the protest. Mm. And this is this is a nightmare. Like 10 years ago, that wasn't like that. Mm. And this is a result of Russian propagandists working every day. Right. So this this uh, people should be should have life sentence minimum, mm-hmm. for my opinion. Yeah, it's it's a, a very powerful machine, um, and unfortunately, other countries are drawing from their example. You're here in Montreal. Uh, you're in Canada. You have a North American tour with a with a few stops uh, after this one. What are you hoping the North America, you know, the Western side of the world kind of learns or, you know, understands about what you're doing with Pussy Riot and about the situation in in Russia? I mean, for women, but for all minorities, we talked about LGBTQ people as well. So we want our story to be heard Mm -hmm. and received as an example of what can happen with the lack of freedoms and what can happen if you lose democracy. In the United States next year, they have elections. Yeah. So it's important for us to remind people to like put your ass from, from the couch mm-hmm. and, and go <laughs> and go to protest. Yeah. Uh, because no one will do it mm-hmm. except you. Mm-hmm. And I mean that's that's quite enough. And also we, we're raising money for children's hospital. Yeah. We're doing it since uh, May of the last year since we started to do tours and it's important to us to continue to support Ukraine and especially support doctors because mm-hmm. they are saving lives. It's more than 500 only children been killed by Russian army. So it's our small impact, mm-hmm. uh, but it's ours. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, I think the goal of the Right Days show it's uh like remind the people that uh, they should to take like responsibility because they're yeah. cities citizens and uh, it's uh, very important to to do something because if they will not do anything political people just will do what they want to do right and uh, yeah we really believe that uh, during the performance uh, like right they show we are try to give our energy uh to people mm. and then they will yeah go right mm-hmm. and also it's important for me to say that uh, a lot of people actually i don't know when it started but a lot of artists started to work for entertainment mm. and say that politics are boring we're mm. out of politics yeah. Not yeah. Fashion. and and, and yeah. this is this is terrible you have a microphone you have a voice yeah you're responsible for what people will will receive from mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. and also uh 
I think um, several days ago, I've heard from someone in the museum, but museums are usually out of politics. Hmm. Like, I disagree with that. <laughs> I also said, like, how? Oh, and, and they said, like, we so rarely have political shows, and that's why it's so important for us. And, I oh, mean... A lot of art is political, even if they don't see it. That, that will be really great mm. if artists will just... Yeah. Clarify the situation. Yes, and said that yes, we have an opinion. Yes, yeah. we are political because everything is political. Yeah. You cannot just like uh, put the world political to mm. the corner and said like, okay, I'm out of it. I'm not it's involved. Like, yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Maybe I think it's a word of contemporary art uh, that's uh, too much clear to talk about the political like mm. activist style. But I think I really believe that. Actually, it's the right time to do this way. Absolutely. And it's important to do it now. Yeah. Um, are you, you know, you've talked about you hope to kind of share that energy and inspire others, you know, to to be activists to in, in, in whatever way uh, uh, they can be. But what keeps you going? What is your daily motivation? I mean, Masha, you've mentioned you are without a home right now. You go from country to country. That's not, you've paid a, a tough price for your activism. You've been imprisoned. Diana, you've talked about, you know, you've cut ties with some family members or ties have been cut with some family members. Um, that's not easy for anyone. What is the force that keeps you going? Uh, life communication with people, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm signing books after every concert and uh, during the signing sections, I definitely uh, like talk with people mm -hmm. and it's super important to me to hear the feedback mm -hmm. at first and in second to hear what people are doing on ground and every place which we are visiting. Yes, I'm homeless, but it's not the worst uh, <laughs> which can happen, uh, you know, with uh, I'm in Russian uh, federal wanted list. Uh, what else? I have a criminal case opened against me still. Yeah. I think we are still have some privilege and it's very mm. important to pronounce it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it's more start to be like a new reality, just a mm. normal for, for us, mm. so normal, this li lifestyle. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was that was a small action yesterday in the front of Russian embassy. Organizer. I saw, yes. My friend Serge Sazvel uh, was with you. Yeah. And, and the, the girl who organized it said very important things that we are the voice of the people who are protesting against Putin from Russia, yeah. because now people who are in the country, they are self-censored mm. because of the package of the new laws, they even cannot call the war the war. Right. Otherwise they can end up in prison for eight years. They cannot share any Western views or putting any Ukraine flag to anywhere on mm. social media or I don't know, to their clothes, because they also can be in prison for mm -hmm. eight years. And this is the war censorship. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to remind that other people from, from Russia exist. And we definitely, I mean, I personally live with a constant shame for all what Putin's state is doing, mm -hmm. even with understand that I was fighting against that. I still ashamed because... It's always a thing that you can do more mm. and probably it's not enough what you're doing. Mm -hmm. But 
when you see other people doing the same, when you see people from other countries fighting for the same issues, it's support. Mm-hmm. And you're not alone. Yeah. Because a lot of Pussy Right members are divided into different countries. Mm-hmm. And some of them left Russia in 2021. There was state repressions against Pussy Right members. But uh, I mean, we're in contact and we support each other. Mm-hmm. And yeah, <laughs> it's like this. Well, and congratulations on keeping, you know, the movement. I mean, they've, Russia's done everything they could to keep you silenced and to keep you divided and to, you know, shut all the efforts down. So congratulations on everything you've achieved because you're still, you're still doing this. You're still riding the wave and you're still speaking up for, you know, for Russians around the world. And that needs to be celebrated. Thank you. You're very brave. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. And it was a pleasure speaking with you today. Excited to see, uh, well, to see the new music video, hear the new music. And we can't wait to see what Pussy Riot does next. So please please continue on our behalf. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Brandis Female Podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you to our editor, Isabel Morris, and our editorial manager, Mackie Domingo. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com to learn more.